Anybody read my Facebook postings this week? Got to go to opening day, Rangers Stadium. Watch the Rangers whoop up on the Red Sox. Hope you're not a Red Sox fan. Actually, I hope you are. (laughs) You know, winning is fun. Who ever said that that winning wasn't fun? You know, it's, it's just fun, isn't it? We drove like four and a half hours and sat in the heat and ate a $10 cold dog, you know, and... They said hot dogs. It was a lie. I should sue them because it was just cold as it could be. And we, uh, but it was all worth it because they won. It just wouldn't have been much fun if they had gotten beat. I'm glad as a Christian that I am the winning team. I am glad that we sell, we can celebrate that victory every day. We don't have to wonder if, if tomorrow Jesus is going to win. You know, we don't have to think about those things because he's already won the victory. You know, the the question for us as believers is, are we stepping in that victory? Are we walking in that victory? And the the subject I have today, it can be looked at as somewhat controversial, kind of like the one saved always versus, you know, that you can lose your salvation. I looked it up, you know, I Googled it, and I found all these different ideas on the fact that is Jesus, can he just be your Savior, or does he, is he your Lord automatically, or do you have to make him Lord of your life? There, there's a controversy there. Some people say, you know, I was saved when I was 17, but I didn't make him Lord till I was 47. And I understand what they're saying there, because I was saved when I was 17, but I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit until I was 47. Now, when Jesus was my Lord, and so today we're going to try to work through that, by, through the Scriptures, And I want to help you understand, if you're not walking in victory, maybe it's because you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, even though he is Lord. Okay? There is a difference there. If he's already Lord, but have you made him Lord of your life? That is this process of of working out your salvation with fear and trembling, so to speak. It's, It's the process of yielding. It's the process of maturing. It's all those things and more. But some, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You were saved, but it took you a while to figure out that he was Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Because when you're just saved and you got your ticket punched and you're not discipled, which is a, a key ingredient in there, if you're not discipled, you can walk as a baby in Christ for way too long. You can be in a church or a fellowship that's not really teaching and discipling and, and speaking truth, and you can be a baby too long. Now, Jesus, I believe he's still Lord of your life. It's just the fact that you don't recognize it yet. Now, you can look at it either way you want. I don't care. And I'm not gonna, it's not about a controversial if, if the pastor is right or the pastor is not right. I believe it this way. I believe it's that way. It doesn't matter. The fact is today, before you leave this building, Jesus needs to be Lord of your life. You need to make him Lord of your life. You need to understand for you to ever walk in any level of success and victory, he's got to be Lord of your life. Amen? Now, Lord means master. It means you're going to submit to him that his way is better than your way. Now, I want us to stand. We're going to read Romans 10, 9 through 13. We're going to make this confession together. It's kind of lengthy, so I hope the guys can keep up back there. Romans 10, 9 through 13. It's a very familiar passage. Many of you may have uh, memorized it in your childhood or in your adulthood. But let's say this together. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart, 
one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Amen. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you just say, I call on the name of Jesus right now. Jesus is Lord. Come on, shout it out. Jesus is Lord in the house. He's Lord of my life. Amen. You may be seated. Father, bless your word today. Bless our confession today. Bless that declaration today. Bless your truth today that it will light a fire in all of those in this place this day who've never really made Jesus Lord, have never really submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm telling you, it is, it is critical if you want to walk in victory to submit to God and make him Lord. Okay, we're going to look at this. We're going to break this down a little bit, but I, I, want, to, I want to just go to... Uh, when we just said that last verse, it says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, that's, some people will take that and, and they'll run with that verse and they'll run with that word. And they say, well, I, I just call on the Lord. So that must mean I'm saved. No, listen, you can't just pick out one little verse and say, that's it. That's all I need because you have to read the rest of it. Okay, let me give you a, a, for, a for instance or for an example in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Another controversial passage in, in Scripture, when I'm growing up, I, I seem like everybody always wanted to talk about a few verses. This is one of them. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I always read out the New King James unless I tell you otherwise, okay? And we, that's what we provide in, in under the chairs. And usually that's what's up there. We're, usually we're together. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Uh-oh. Not everyone who says or calls on the name of the Lord. Let's read that again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But who? He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, this is the judgment day. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We've cast out demons in your name and we've done many wonders in your name. And we ask for the check too. (laughs) And then I will declare them. Listen, this is the, the worst thing anybody can ever hear ever. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Listen, you don't want to be standing before God Almighty, and he looks at you, and you say, well, I I joined the church. I was in Sunday school. I was sprinkled as an infant. I was even baptized at Freedom Fellowship. You don't want to stand before God and hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, listen, that doesn't mean there was somebody that was ever saved because he says, I never knew you, never knew you. So listen, you can make some claims, but listen, it comes down to, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? That's what I I want you to understand before you leave today, that you have an understanding of that. Amen? I I used to read that verse. I have a different take on it. You know, I always, when we're in staff meeting, we'll talk. Every Thursday we meet in staff meeting. And one of the times I think I ask this question, I think I've asked you, do you believe the same today that you did 10 years ago about the Bible? You believe in your, a lot of people, I, no. I mean, I asked Basil some of that. I said, Basil, do you, is everything that you learned 10 years ago, is it still the same within the way you, you the concept in your mind? He said, no. God's showing us some new things. He, there's a truth and there's a deeper truth. But let me show you something I saw in this scripture. Because listen, some people say, well, that's people that did those things and they did them in Jesus' name and they, and they happened, but really the, Satan was behind it. Let me show you that scripture. Look at it again. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. And it says, many will say, this is the key, many will say to me in that day. They're going to say, Lord, I did this and I did that. doesn't mean they did it. You see that? doesn't mean they did it. They're just going to make some confessions. And listen, who wouldn't if you're standing before God and you're about to go into the lake of fire? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I prophesied. I, man, I, 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 fed the, I fed the hungry and the clothes. Man, then God just is going to say, I don't know you. Who are you? It's kind of scary, isn't it? Makes you want to re-look at your salvation. Makes you want to do a little self-examination. Do I really know God? Listen, it goes even further than that. Look at Galatians 4. And you can go back and read these in context, and I always try to keep it in the context of, of what's being spoken, but just for purposes of what I'm trying to speak and get through to you today, I'm jumping in at 8, 4, 8. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those by which nature are not gods. That means before you knew Christ, you served other gods, okay? But now after you have known God, but look at the rest, or rather, are known by God. Think of that. Think about it. Let me read that again. But now after you have known God, or rather, are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and the beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? There's this thing about knowing God, but there's also this thing about God knowing you. All the time, and I'm, if you've ever done any witnessing, any counseling, you can ask somebody. If you don't know the right question, you'll get, you'll get buffaloed by this. You know what it means to be buffaloed? You ask the, you ask the wrong questions, and somebody can, they'll, they'll give you this answer. Uh, if you ask them, are you saved? This is a lot of times they'll say, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. Is that a good answer? Why not? Because the demons believe in God. So you've got to ask the right questions. I, I didn't find this out till later in life. Here's the question you ask. Who is Jesus to you? If you want to find out some, where somebody's, their, their fellowship or their relationship with Jesus Christ, ask them, who is Jesus to you? And then you might get the, the, the uh, 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 well, uh, he's that guy that went to the cross. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. You might get some answer like that. But if they come back with, well, I, I believe in God. Well, that's just not enough, guys. You see, you can believe in God, but he might not know you. He said you can know him, but maybe he doesn't know you. That comes down to this thing called relationship. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the issue. And then let me show you what I've been, what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is that if you don't, if you're not understanding who you are in Christ and you've not known by God, listen, he's trying to convince these guys, don't go back to what you're in. That's not who you are. It's not who you are. These people at Galatia, they had given their lives to Jesus. They knew him they, and, and, they, and God knew them, but they slipped back into this thing I talk about a lot. It's called legalism. They thought they could outwork and outdo God. They thought they could earn their salvation by their works. And he's, he's trying to get across them. Listen, you already know God. He already knows you. You don't have to do that anymore. That's where we get messed up in the church. We try to start doing. We try to instead of being, right? 
Mary Lou and I, she, we were both in the, in the ministry outside of this. We were both chaplains at nursing homes. We quit at the end of the year. She already knows. I, I know my calling. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And she said one morning she was just uh, in, in bed, and, and she woke up, and she just heard, is it like the Lord spoke to her? Because she was trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do next, Lord? Where am I supposed to plug in next, Lord? And, and God just spoke to her. He said, just be. Just be. Sometimes we're always trying to figure things out and instead of just being in his presence, being who he's called us to be, listening to his voice, stopping and sit, slowing down enough that we can actually hear him. Some of you just have God on speed dial. Oh, I need you now. Oh, God, I need you right now. And he said, listen, I've been talking to you. You just haven't been listening. Have you ever been to the place in your life where you, you know God, God knows you, but you slipped into complacency? You slipped into this nothingness. I just don't hear God anymore. Uh, It's just like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. It's times like that in our life that we've quit yielding and allowing God to be God and Lord of our lives. When we, when you, if you're in that place this morning, this is the challenge for you. You need to reconnect in the sense of submission and obedience to God. Maybe you need to be reminded of who the God is that you serve. And I've got this video. I've shown it, it's been several years ago, I think, that we showed it. But I want to, I want to play this for you because... This is what just, it just popped out of me. We need to have a, an understanding of just who it is we're calling Lord. And this is a sermon way back in, I think, the 70s. The man who speaks this has already gone to be with Jesus. But I want you to listen and be, pay, pay careful attention and be reminded of who God is in your life, Okay. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality 
in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen. That's powerful, isn't it? That's our king. That's who we make Lord of our life. We don't put our hands in somebody that can't hold us. We don't put our our life into somebody that can't sustain us. We don't submit to somebody who can't take over everything in your life and and overwhelm the things that are overwhelming you. We're giving our life to a great and a mighty king. Some of you might have forgotten who he is. And you quit letting him be Lord of your life. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's look at that a little bit. If you read the first four through eight of Romans 10, you'll find out Paul was very adamant about the fact we could not earn our salvation. And then when he says confess with your mouth, you know what he's saying there? I know some of us that we just think of that as just the word coming out. The confession, the word confession means so much more than that. It means that you're agreeing with everything God says about his son, Jesus. 
You're agreeing with everything the Word says about Jesus. You're agreeing about everything that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit or the Father. You're agreeing with the the whole counsel of God that God is great, God is good, that He is enough. That's what you're agreeing to. When you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you're saying, I agree. But does your life line up with your agreement? Does your life line up with your confession? I know the power of our words. I understand that. I've preached it so many times. It's important what comes out of your mouth. But listen, he said, you've got to also believe it in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, say heart. Believe in your heart. Say my heart. Are you confessing with your mouth because you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that God raised him from the dead? A lot of people go, why isn't he talking about the, why isn't he talking about the crucifixion there? Because he's talking about the completion of it. He's talking about the whole thing. He's talking about the whole story, that it culminates with the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. We have the resurrected Christ living in us. To believe in our heart means it goes way beyond this, our head knowledge. Oh, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I read the Bible one time. It sounded like a cool story. I saw the movie. Yeah, that's a good, I I like that guy. He's good. Listen, the New Age movement declares that Jesus was a good man. Many people talk, oh, he was a great prophet. He was a great teacher. The Jews still say he was a a great rabbi. They'll say all that. But listen, if they say that, they're not confessing the whole council. They're not confessing the word of God. They're stopping short. And when you stop short, you miss heaven. That's how important it is that Jesus be Lord and Savior of your life. Charles Spurgeon said this, We believe everything which the Lord Jesus has taught, but we must go a step further and trust him. It's not even enough to believe in him as being the Son of God and the anointed of the Lord, but we must believe on him. The faith that saves is not believing certain truths, nor even believing that Jesus is a Savior, but it is resting on him, depending on him, lying with all your weight on Christ as the foundation of your hope. Believe that he can save you. Believe that he will save you. At any rate, leave the whole matter of your salvation with him in unquestioning confidence. Depend upon him without fear as to your present and eternal salvation. This is the faith that saves your soul. It goes way beyond, oh, yeah, I go to church. Oh, yeah, I've been to church. My mom was a Christian. My daddy was a preacher. It goes way beyond that. And I would ask you this morning, as, Mr., as Pastor Lockridge in that video spoke, do you really know him? Is he your lifeblood? Do you depend on him, upon him for everything? Do you go to him? Do you talk with him? Do you get in his word? Do you trust him in every area of your life? Have you made him Lord of your life? For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, verse 10, and with a mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Listen, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll never be put to shame. Amen? The enemy will condemn, he will accuse, but God will never do that. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Listen, Jesus didn't die for black people or just white people or just brown people or just yellow people or just rich people or just poor people. He died for everybody. Listen, when they were hearing this word, they were, they were man, it was, it was a hard word they were hearing. You mean we're, we've got to confess, we've got to come to an agreement with him, but, but we're Jewish. If we do that, they might kick us out of the synagogue. My parents might disown me. Yes, that's what he was saying. You, you might have to do that. All these Galatians, these people in Galatia, they're, well, we've got all of our other gods. What, what can we do with those? He said, you've got to get rid of them. How many gods do you have? How many gods are you hanging on to today? To believe meant so much more than the, the, the word that we've made it. Y'all know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I believe in the Easter Bunny, and I believe in Santa Claus, and I believe in Jesus. I mean, that people will just spout that stuff off like it's nothing. Listen, to believe means you give your life. You, you lay it all on the line and say, I believe, I trust in, I cling to, my hope is Jesus Christ. That's what belief is. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that word, saved. God never did anything partway, halfway. He went all the way. You know what the word saved means? In that context of that scripture, it means whole, complete. God didn't come. He didn't send his son to die. So you could say, oh, I want my ticket to heaven. I, I just want to be, be a nominal Christian. I, I would just like to hang out. I'd like to go to church once in a while. I just want to be a nominal Christian. I want to be one of those secret Christians. It just doesn't work that way. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? To choose Christ is the, mo- it's the greatest decision you'll ever make, bar none. It's better than choosing your wife or picking at your kids or choosing a college or any of those things or, or getting that new car. Whatever you think choices are great for your life, this is the number one, numero uno choice is who you're going to walk with the rest of your life, who's going to be Lord of your life. pray that every person here this morning has called on the name of the Lord. I pray that everyone in here knows Jesus Christ and that he knows you. I pray that as you've made him Lord of your life, that you're walking in victory. But the chances are, and that this many people in one room, the chances are not all of you are, have made Jesus Christ Lord Chances are not all of you actually know, now that you know what salvation and coming to know Christ is, chances are not all of you in here are Christians. Chances are not all of you, and this is an easy one, not all of you are walking in victory. (laughs) I heard that. Let me ask you a question. You can ask, answer out loud. Listen, you should answer out loud if you're a Christian. Is Jesus your Savior? It's good. Every day. The next question then is this. Is Jesus your Lord? Really? Your Lord? 
some of you could answer that first one very easily. Oh, yeah, he's my Savior. You know, I'm working on that other part. And it kind of is a process. It is a process of making him Lord. It's like, it's like if your heart had, like, different compartments. I know they do. I'm not a doctor or anything, but I know they have different compartments. It's like you, sometimes we give him, like, two or three rooms out of a five-bedroom house. And we're hanging on to a couple of things. And you say, well, Lord, you can have that room and that room and that room, but I want to hang on to these two. I want to work on those. I'm working on giving those to you. dead. Check, check. Hello? Hello? Can y'all hear me? I have to start off. Maybe you'll get it the second time. Listen, if you have a problem with the fact that you can be saved and not be Lord, I, I just come talk to me. I don't care what you think on this. Here's the deal. Is he Lord? Is he Lord of your life? If he's not, why not? What are you hanging on to? What, do you, what decisions do you have that you know only you can make and God can't make them for you? The problem is, when we want our own way, we don't ask God about our about that decision. I shared this before. I think it bears repeating. In one text, I did a, a sermon on, on David, and he asked, he had inquired of the Lord like three different times. He was going to battle. He inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, fight the battle this way. And he said, the next time he fought the, the battle, he inquired of the Lord, and the, the Lord said, fight the battle this way. Third time, he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, fight the battle this way. He had three battles. There were all different ways that he had to, to navigate them and strategize them. But when he was on the roof and when he's look, and looking at Bathsheba, it said he inquired of the woman. He didn't inquire of the Lord about that one. Oh, Lord, should I go over and get that naked woman out of her tub and bring her to my house? Lord, Lord, I'm just inquiring. He didn't ask God. He already knew the answer. At that moment in his life, the Lord was not, he was not giving the Lord. He was not yielding to the Lord. He was yielding to the flesh. And the consequences, guys, I have to tell you, they're, they're not good. They're just not good. The question I want to ask you, is Jesus your Lord? The better view is to yield to Jesus every day of your life. Fall so in love with him that walking away from him or living in sin just makes you kind of ill. He just gets sick when you, you're not living for him. You're not walking with him. You're not in that fellowship with him. If more Christians live that way, more people would become Christians. And we wouldn't be sitting around trying to figure out who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Some people might be so turned off about by your lifestyle that they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. You've heard it said. Oh, if that person's a Christian, I don't want any of that. Usually that's people that are saved, possibly, but they've not made him Lord. 
I know this is light, fluffy preaching. If you shoved Jesus to the back, if you pushed him away this morning and you know him as your Savior, if you pushed him to the back of the rooms in your heart, did you know what you're doing to him? You're grieving him. He weeps over us. That's what he does. So many of us have elevated so many other things in our life and pushed God back, pushed him down. This is more important. That's more important. And God just had to take the back seat. And he said, but you said I was your Lord. Luke 6.46 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Mary Lou and I were watching... uh, Open range. Anybody ever saw that, seen that show? Oh, yeah, like a cowboy movie. Like that show. Horses and stuff. A lot of shooting, a lot of killing. But there's one one nice moment where Kevin Costner, he's falling in love with Annette Benning. She's a country doctor, kind of kind of a doctor. And he asked, he asked her to marry him. And she said, oh, yes, I'll marry you. So then the next thing they're riding out and, he says, you know, you need, we're, we're heading out now. You need to go back to the house. And she doesn't go back to the house. And he says to her, how is this going to work if you don't do what I say? <laughs> Husbands, you can now nudge your wife. How is this going to work if you don't do what I say? I think Jesus might say that to us a lot. How, how's this going to work if you don't do what I say? Well, Lord, I, I, I'll, I'll call on you when I need you. Let me do my own thing for a while. We called it sowing our wild oats when I was, I don't even know what that meant. But I knew what it meant. <laughs> well, you sow oats together, buddy. I'm sorry, Henry. That's it, Dave Ramsey. It says, how's that working out for you? Huh? Doing your own thing. How's that working out for you? You know what I'm talking about? Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I want to close with this verse. Wow, it's early. Kind of thick in here, though. We're going to have to have the ministry team up here this morning. Maybe for me. <laughs> you know, when, when God God lays things on my heart to preach, um, I've already told you this, but it's always pointed to me first. So y'all just get the leftovers. It's what he's showing me. I, I, here's one. Of, here's one of my opinions. God, what do the people? What do they need? What do they need to hear? And uh, it's about making Jesus the Lord of our life. 
my desire is, God's desire is way higher than mine for you. God's desire for you is just to walk in wholeness and health and peace and prosperity and victory. He wants, he wants the best for you. So when he pours his stuff into me and shows me what to speak, it's the same thing. It's because that's what he wants for you. And so some of you have come in here this morning and you don't have a clue about who's, you know, if, if you made Jesus Lord or not. And your, your life is in shambles. And I don't want you to leave that way. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? Kind of like a mom and dad, they want the best for their kids. And they see their kids doing the wrong things, and yet they're, they're praying for their kids. And they're, they're, they're trying to speak truth into their lives. And they're try, they'll do everything they can to get their kids back on track. That's what, that's what God is pouring through me this morning. I want to see y'all succeed. It's not so we can build a bigger building and, and, and have a new van and, and have a different, all, all, all this stuff going. That's not it at all. It's so you can go and make a difference in the world. You can go make a difference in your home. In your home, at your job, we should we should be we should have I should have emails every day of victories that are won because of what God's doing in your life. I haven't gotten any lately. He didn't create us to fail. He didn't die for us so we would just barely get by. Do y'all just want to get by? God gave us his best so we would live the best. God gave us his best so we would walk in this thing called victory. That we would be overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That you wouldn't walk out of here with the same damage that you came in with or the same pile of junk that you came in with. Bless you. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm all about freedom. I'm all about victory. I am all about you succeeding. I'm all about the kingdom advancing. But if we're going to get there, guys, we, got all, we all have to be all about God. We have to surrender. We have to submit to him. So that's what I want to do this morning. Would you stand?